0: Okay, last week when Pastor Cindy started us out, we she talked uh, to begin our spiritual emphasis on the idea of from death to life. And if you remember, she talked about um, uh, the, this valley of dry bones that, that were there, and that because God spoke life over them, uh, that that life was 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 brought back, and that they all came to life. And and, you know, the really neat thing to me about that is that we have the, the, the freedom and the privilege to bring those dead areas of our life to God and to pray over them, to proclaim his truth over them. And those things that are in alignment with his word, he'll breathe life back into. And so, you know, we're not, we're not left with the dead areas of our life with no hope and with no, with like nothing to do. And so during this time, I want to encourage you, to bring those areas of your life to God, put them before uh, the foot of the cross and give them back to the Lord. You know, I mean, you can have him pray, over marriages, jobs, finances, health, whatever it is, lay them down before the Lord uh, because he is the God who gives life. Now today we're going to look at a whole different situation. Okay, We're going we're to come at it from another angle. We're going to look at a situation where Uh, It would things would appear to be hopeless. In fact, even kind of impossible. Now, the 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 difference is uh, last week the people were all dead, and God brought them back to life. This week, what we're looking at is some people who are still alive, but it would look like they're about to be dead. Okay, with what's going on, and and so think we're gonna you know and and even though you may not feel like you're literally about to suffer loss of life. Can you kind of agree with me that there are times in our life when we feel like we're boxed in a corner and there's no place to go and there's no getting away from it? I mean, it can be from people, from finances, from job problems. Do you know what I mean? And they can feel, begin to feel helpless and they can start to make you feel hopeless. If you're not careful. okay? And so what we want to do is we read today's scripture and we talk about this passage. We want to see what God's got to say about that. Okay, so uh, this is a great passage of scripture, okay, and I want to encourage you to really tune into this, so it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Uh, we're actually going to take a look at 30 verses, 1 to 30, but we're going to break them up as we read them, because who could listen for that many, Okay. So we're going to go, so I want to read to you right now 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 to 13. So you can listen, you can follow along on a screen, if you also got your phone, uh, it's on version. so whichever way is best for you, but uh, here we go. So 2 Chronicles 20, starting with verse 1, it says, it, it starts out and says, after this, what's after this? Well, after this is is King Jehoshaphat, I'm about to read, okay, but King Jehoshaphat had a had, uh, he was a good king. He was serving God. And what he had done is that he had had all of his people okay, get rid of their idols. He had appointed righteous judges. And so King Jehoshaphat was a good king who was actually serving God and was leading the people in a good way. Okay, so that's the now, so, now that's done. So after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea in fact that army's already in Hazion-Tamar that is in Getty alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord indeed they came from every town in Judah to seek him then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, prayed, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it, And have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us? by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah and their wives and their children and the little ones stood there before the Lord. So the real question that's at the core of today's Passage and message is simply this, is your God bigger than your problems, or have you decided that your problems are bigger than your God? When we read about this today, I mean, I think we would all agree that Jehoshaphat found himself in what most of us would call a crisis. It was a crisis, right? But whether you're facing a crisis today, or what really a lot of us face is just unrelenting pressures, Right? Un, just the the right. The, the, occasionally, we face crises in our life, but boy, just about all the time, it's the unrelenting pressures of life, money, co-workers, relationships. It's just it's just a thousand problems, and they all need a solution. And here's the real issue. Although. I think we would all know, right, if if we've been to church even once before in our lives, okay, we all know the right answer to what I'm about to say is, is what we should be doing when we face these problems is praying, right? We all know that's the right answer. We'll get that one on the test right. Here's the problem, but we don't do it. But we don't do it, and we very seldom do it first. So why is that? Why do we really not do it? I want to suggest to you that it really boils down to pride. Although we are far more polite in how we describe it. What we do is we call it self-reliance. Because that sounds a whole lot more sanitary and better. But the fact of it is, if you boil it down, strip it back, it's pride. Because what most of us tend to think of is, you know what? I'm pretty smart pretty smart i can solve a lot of my problems and you know what every now and then i'll just take a little help from god so it's really mostly me and every now and then i'll kind of call god in you know just to kind of kick it on over the goal line we may have forgotten what john fifteen five said when jesus said apart from me you can do nothing So today's passage provides us with some kind of good instruction here on the subject not only of prayer and fasting, but upon trusting God. Trusting God from the very beginning when we face life's trials. So what I want us to do here is we're going to look at this account about dealing with these challenges of life. And I want us to take a look at what we should do when the enemy confronts us. When we get confronted, not only could be in a crisis situation, but also in these ongoing, unrelenting pressures that can come and, can, and, and what they will do in us is start to create in us the feeling that we are in a hopeless situation. Because when the enemy can cause us to feel hopeless, he can paralyze us. He can paralyze us with fear, he can paralyze us with doubt. He can paralyze us because what, what the enemy will do is he will really help you come to believe that your problem is bigger than your God. So, what should we do? Well, the first point that we need to do when we're faced with this is awfully simple, but it really seems to be difficult for us to do. And that is we need to take the need to God. We need to take the need to God. So, let's think about it, okay? If if you went home today and all of a sudden, you know, you were faced, you heard some really threatening news or you heard about a situation that uh, could even, like, end up costing you your life, What would you do first? What would be your natural reaction? Well, for some people, the first human reaction would be to panic, right? You know, just kind of run around and panic a little bit, right? Other people, as soon as they have panicked and caught their breath, then it's kind of the old, you know, if you had psychology somewhere, you learned this idea of fight or flight, right? You know, at some point then, right, if you're really in a crisis situation, you, you kind of have to make a choice, right? Am I going to stand here and fight it or am I just going to get out of town and I'm going to run away from my problem? Okay. Well, Jehoshaphat was facing this same kind of thing. I mean, all of a sudden, people come to him and they say, you know, you know, you've been doing a good job, but look what's about to come. Okay, there's this vast army that's on its way and they're going to attack us and they're going to wipe us out. And, and so Jehoshaphat had to decide what's he going to do? What's he gonna do? Now, I mean, Jehoshaphat was the king. He had the whole, he had his whole army at his disposal. You might think that the first thing he would do would be to call all the generals together, right? And say, guys, let's gear up. We're about to go to war. He also might have gotten angry because he might have turned to God and complained and said, You know what, God, I've been doing what you told me to do. I got rid of the idols, I I appointed righteous judges. I've I, I've been serving you. I've been doing this thing according to your plan. And like this is how you repay me? Now, some of us do that. Okay? Some of us do that, at least at points in our life. Right? We're kind of walking along, we're going, you know, I've I've decided to follow God. I'm gonna press in. I'm gonna I'm gonna really try and change you know i've been kind of toying around with my faith up till now but i've decided i'm gonna like really you know i'm gonna make it a big part of my life okay and so we start we we come to bible study and we start reading our bible and we quit cussing and we decide to give a little bit every now and then and you know i mean we start doing all these things that make us kind of i'm kind of checking them off the list i'm kind of doing my god thing way better than i used to And it's kind of feeling good, and I'm making some new friends, and life is going along. And then all of a sudden, I hit a real bump in the road. What do I do? Well, I have a choice right there, don't I? Because I can see it as a bump in the road and decide to press on into God even further, or I can take offense at it and say, you know what, God... Apparently, this following you isn't as good as I thought it was going to be because why did you let this thing happen to me? We've known people who do that. They're running along pretty well. They hit an obstacle. Could be illness. Could be injury. Could be, they lose their job. It could be a problem in a relationship. And they just say, what's up with this, God? It's not fair. And they get angry and they start feeling sorry for themselves. They start backing away. Fortunately, for these people, this is not what their leader did. This is not what Jehoshaphat did. Instead of reacting by running away from God, he responded by turning even more fully toward God. He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. In fact, he even called for a national day of prayer. Perhaps Jehoshaphat had read psalm 27 was there for him he had it available okay some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the lord our god he had chariots and horses at his disposal i mean he could actually be a guy who could say that you know because he had an army he commanded but he trusts in the name of the lord his god jehoshaphat I read this sentence. Sometimes you read one and you just go, this is too good. I can't write anything better than this, so i got to use it. Okay? So I read this. It said, Jehoshaphat realized that he could do some things after he had prayed, but he could do nothing of importance before he prayed. Now, that's a really good line for us, and I think we need to remember that. There's some things, when we've prayed, right, God will give us wisdom, and there'll be some things we can do after we've prayed, but... But how many times have we gone to God in prayer with a mess that's even worse than it would have been because of the stuff we tried to do before we got around to praying? So he realized he could do some things after he prayed, but he couldn't do anything meaningful before he prayed. Now, that's really a pretty remarkable thing when you think about it, because if If you've read other Old Testament stories and you've just read history, just not even scripture, but just secular history, I think we would all know that historically, kings are a pretty proud bunch. Right? Kings are a pretty proud bunch. I mean, just think back, you know, the ones, uh, King Henry, you know, Henry VIII, and I mean, just go back to kings, not you know, way after, you know, Jesus' time, right? I mean, just kings are generally a pretty proud bunch. Okay? They handle most of their problems with brute force. Right? Just chop off their head. You know. They remain in power through the strategic application of power. So for them, for most kings, man, image is as important as action if you want to remain on the throne. So for Jehoshaphat to respond to this crisis... By calling for a prayer meeting and a fast and to publicly say while he was praying to God in front of all the people, Lord, for we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us and we don't know what to do. Think of what he was saying in front of all the people. What we need to understand is that what he was saying was not very good politics. But it was great leadership. It was great leadership. Jehoshaphat wasn't worried about his ratings or his popularity. He he was concerned about the safety and the welfare of the people that were entrusted to him. Self-reliant pride is too often what keeps us from turning humbly to God in prayer. And as a result, what happens is a mess what we need to do is we need to become less concerned about our self esteem and the favor of man we ought to be more concerned about whether or not we have God's favor it's God's favor Isaiah 66 2 promises us God says these are the ones I look on with favor those who are humble humble and contrite in spirit. Look, when you and I are faced with a crisis of any magnitude, our very first response should be to fall on our knees in prayer, turn to God. Any meaningful action we should take will come as a result of that time in prayer, what God will reveal to us. Second thing we need to do when the enemy confronts us after we've prayed is we need to listen for his answer. Follow with me. We're going to continue in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 14 to 19. So they're there praying, right? All the men, they're all standing there praying. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. They're giving his lineage to show that he was a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Jehaziel said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that he will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites stood up, and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So Scripture tells us that they were all gathered together for a prayer meeting, with their leaders, with their leaders, the Spirit of God came upon a prophet, Jehaziel. A prophetic word from the Lord encouraged them not to fear and assured them that God would fight for them. I want to assure you something corporate prayer draws the attention of God. Corporate prayer draws his attention. Look, you can pray by yourself, and I hope you do. You should. You should. But there's something powerful that happens when we come together as a body of believers and we join our faith together and we seek God and we pray corporately. That's why during this 21 days of spiritual emphasis on Thursday nights, we don't normally have a weekly prayer meeting, but we've put one in for this time. It's a time for us to come together and seek God together in prayer. Let's just bring the big issues before the throne of God and await his response. Look, we're all busy, but I want to encourage you to make time for this. You're never going to know what blessing you may miss out on. If you don't ever participate in one of these groups of corporate prayer, I know it's a sacrifice of time. But like I said earlier, sacrifice always costs something. So, I just want to encourage you. Interestingly enough, in this passage, even though God spoke to his prophet to tell them that he was going to fight for them, okay, uh, he still told them in verses 16 and 17 that tomorrow you got to walk out, take up your positions, and stand firm. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because God has just promised that he's going to solve the problem, he's going to fight the battle. But he still is telling the people, you got to dress up for battle, march out, and go get in front of the enemy. Now, you know, when God solves my problems for me, I really wish he'd do it while I'm sitting at home with my feet up on the ottoman. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, I I, mean, I like the idea of just praying. You know, we're just sitting here in a nice warm room. It's all cozy. You know, if I was having trouble with my car out there, you know, we'd just all pray, Oh, Lord, please let, you know, let his car start when he needs to leave. And we'd all just sit here, and I'd go out, and I'd start up my car, and it'd even be warm. You know, it'd already even be warmed up, right? I mean, I like answered prayer like that. I, I love answered prayer that puts me at no risk, causes me no pain, expects nothing of me. Now, can we all agree there have been some times when God has answered some of your prayers just like that? I mean, have you ever gone to, gone to bed sick, prayed, oh, God, would you heal my body, and you woke up well? Yeah, I mean, did you pay a price? Did you suffer? No, you had a good night's sleep. But you woke up and God did that. I mean, we've all prayed things. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of the month with the money i got right now. And I don't know, God didn't tell you to go out and offer to dig a ditch or to do anything else. Just somehow he made your money last. Right? I mean, look, we have, if we're honest, we will all go back and we will say, yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of answered prayer in my life that oftentimes basically didn't demand anything of me other than just bringing it before God. And I'm so thankful I serve a God who loves me that much to a lot of times just go take care of the whole deal. Right? Take care of the whole deal. But sometimes God actually expects us to do something. It is called faith. Right? And so sometimes faith requires some feet to go actually... To go actually do something to demonstrate that we actually believe the promise that God has given, right? But, but we're still involved. We're still going to just, we're just doing it out of obedience. Look, can you imagine? Just think about this. I mean, we sit back and read, read this story in the comfort of, of, of this room with nothing really bad going on. And I mean, and with the distance of history, right? And so we compress it all and think, okay, he said go out and do it and, you know, just boom, boom, boom. Hey, what if only a few folks had showed up the next morning? He said early the next morning, he said first thing the next morning, you, you go out, you march out to battle. You go out and you, and you face the enemy. And I'm going to, but don't worry, I'm going to fight the battle for you. Just imagine with me for a second. What if only a handful of people had showed up the next morning, dressed for battle, ready to march down against the enemy and stand firm? What if most of the group had stayed home? Because they were too tired from attending yesterday's all-day prayer meeting. God, I've already done enough of my 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 God thing, you know. I only go to church on Sunday and maybe one more thing per week, but then that's really all I'm gonna do, you know. And I I did that. I went, I was at church Sunday and God, I came to the all-day prayer meeting, so I've kind of kind of done my deal. You know, I, I got other stuff to do. I mean, can you imagine? Besides, it's cold. God, it's going to be cold marching down there to that battle. I don't want to... I mean, just... Do you think we've ever missed out on God's blessing and answer to our prayers because we didn't actually obey Him with the steps that He told us to take? in order to see the victory? Look, what God did was He promised a victory, but His victory was linked to their obedience. Do you understand? I mean, look, there are plenty of times in my life when I did nothing. God put no expectation on me, obviously, because I went to bed sick and I woke up well. Right? Like we said, there are plenty of those times, but when God says I'm going to fight this battle for you but tomorrow morning you get up and you march out and go confront the enemy it would be wise to get up and go confront the enemy even though it's uncomfortable it might be scary it might cost you something it may be inconvenient the nation prayed God had answered it was critical now that they obey Look, when you and I are faced with a crisis, after we've fasted and prayed, we have every reason to anticipate an answer. Don't we? We have every reason to anticipate an answer because we serve a God who hears. We serve a God who answers. I don't always like all his answers. I'm still waiting on the red Corvette. Probably saying no because he knows it would. he's saving my life. No, but do you understand? There's, There's... But, how, but think about this. I really want you to be honest. As you, you don't have to hold up your hand, but you just really think about this, okay? How many things have you ever prayed for that are like legit? I don't need a red Corvette. You know what I mean? Okay, but health, safety, finances, re- relationships to be restored or repaired. And you would say, you know what? It still may not be where I want it to be. But I see God's hand at work. I mean, how would can anybody say, I have never heard nothing? My God has ignored me. God hadn't listened. God has done a square root of nothing. I can't say that. I can't say that. And I don't think you can either. Now there's some things that some of us are still praying for that we're claiming and believing, but but, but God is moving. Because we serve a God who answers prayer. So when we've had that time of prayer and fasting, when we've committed it to God, and when we're seeking him, we have a, we have the, a privilege, but we actually have, a, I believe, a right to anticipate that God will answer. Okay, but we're still often con- told to go out and confront the enemy. We've got to obey his direction if we want to see the answer. One last thing. After we've done those things... What else do we need to do? And the third thing is found in verses 20 to 30. So let's finish it up. Let's read that together. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 20 to 30. So it says, early in the morning, they left. So they obeyed, okay? (laughs) They left. They didn't leave before. They didn't leave later. Early in the morning, they left. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out ahead of the army singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now get this. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and the men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than that they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took them three days to collect all of it. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. And that's why it's called the Valley of Barakat to this day. That means the Valley of Praise. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem joyfully returned to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem. They went to the temple of the Lord with harps, lyres, and trumpets. The fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for the Lord had given them rest on every side. Proverbs 18.21 says that the the tongue has the power of life and death. Look, sometimes when we're facing problems, we actually kind of curse ourselves. You know, it's simple things like, you know, people that say, every winter, I always get the flu. Well, yeah, I bet you do. (laughs) You just said you do. You know, I would rather say, you know what, I walk in health. I walk in health. You know, look, when we... When we look in our lives, yes, we can be facing a vast army. I mean we can literally be there, but you know what a lot of times we're facing these unrelenting trials right and and what we can say is is, is this is this isn't going to work out this is going to be terrible i don't what we need to do is we need to not curse ourselves, but we need to understand that as followers of jesus as as followers of the living God that the price has already been paid for our victory. We have the word of God. And so what we need to do is realize that we we come at the challenges of life from a position of victory. I mean, verse 21 tells us that Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And he even had them go out and lead the army. I mean, really, just think about this for a second, okay? They, they've been promised that a victory but they haven't seen it yet right they haven't seen it in fact and in fact at the point at that point remember that morning when they had to get up and go get dressed and march down to go see the enemy the enemy was apparently still alive okay the enemy was very real all right so they had to actually sharpen their swords they had to put on their armor and they had to, you know, soldier up and march down into the battle with one little shift. And this is kind of crazy when you think about it. They put a choir out in front of the army. Now i got to tell you, if there was any group that had to believe that that prophetic word that God will fight for you was right, was that choir. <laughs> You know, because the choir, I guess, is holding the hymnal. They're not holding swords and shields. I mean, think about it. The, the choir had faith, all right? The choir had faith. But the choir led them into the presence of God. He led them into victory. Look, we need to also understand, because I'll just bet you this. You ever seen like one of these military movies? And I always do it like when the, when the guys are doing like marching, you know, it's like the practice, I can't think what they call it right now, but it's, you know, just marching practice out on the parade fields, okay? And, and, like one, and the leaders will start kind of like a, like they'll, it's kind of a rhyme, a, 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 you know, you know and, and all the soldiers join in and they all start doing their little, you know, rhythm thing to kind of march with. I have a feeling just like that that when that choir started singing praise to God, I think the whole army joined in. And I think what happened is that entire place was filled with praises to God. And Scripture tells us that when they started to praise God, because, listen, corporate worship draws the attention of God, That's why you don't want to be late on Sunday morning. You don't want to miss this time because we're not just singing songs. We're praising God. And when we praise God corporately, yeah, we can do it alone in our car. I can turn the radio up and that's good for all the people around me. They don't want to hear my voice. You know, I keep the windows up when I'm doing this because I don't want to offend, you know, people with what they would hear. You know, no, but you know what I mean? But we need to praise God. We can praise God alone. But there is something that I can't completely comprehend and I can't completely prove to you other than I know it happens, there is something that you can only experience when you worship together. God honors it. He notices it. And how many times in your life have you seen what God wanted to do? The answers to prayer, the miracles that have occurred, have occurred during worship. They occur during worship. I'd love to tell you, they only happen when I'm preaching. But what I'm telling you is I don't remember that happening once. Because you know what? Whatever we say, whoever's up here preaching, God already knows it. I'm not telling him anything new. He's not up in heaven going, oh, Steve, that's a really good point. Because it's all from him. Do you understand? This, this part of what we do on Sunday morning is not for God. This is for us. The part on Sunday morning that we do that's for God is that first part. It's that time of praise and worship because that's not us entertaining each other. That's us bringing our praise and our, our, praise, our offering of praise to God. And it's when the army did that it had nothing to do with how sharp their swords were. had nothing to do whether they had it all buckled on just right. What it had to do was that they were obedient and they came together and they offered up a sacrifice of praise to God. That's what caused God to act against the enemy. Verse 22, it says, As they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy man wasn't when they prayed it wasn't even when they headed out but it was when they began to praise so what happened they were they arrived at their battle positions and all they saw was a bunch of dead bodies the deal was done before they ever got there but they didn't know it till they got there they didn't know it till they'd been obedient and gone The miracle they needed, the victory they'd been promised via the prophet took place when the people corporately began to praise and worship God. So listen, we need to do that. We need to praise God. Interesting thing. You know, we all face crisis today, right? We face them ourselves. We face them different sizes, magnitudes, intensities, but we all face these challenges. So look, what I, what I want to encourage us all to do is... Whatever overwhelming enemy you think has got you surrounded right now, whatever it is you're facing, could be your health, could be your job, could be family. Man, family issues can just start to make you feel surrounded. What I really want us all to understand today, and want you hear this, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care how long you've been at it. I don't care how hard it seems you, you are not helpless and your situation is not hopeless the enemy will do his best to help you feel like the situation is hopeless and you are helpless but not so with God the God we serve is bigger than any issue bigger than any work problem bigger than any financial issue, bigger than any health problem that you can face. Isaiah 59.1 is a wonderful promise. Isaiah 59.1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His, dull, his ear too dull to hear. I am glad I serve a God. There's a, there's a TV commercial right now. I don't know, some alligator. You ever seen the one with the alligator? They, it's time to pick up the check. And he, he, the alligator's sitting at the kitchen table in his front pan. You know, he's like, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get that, but he can't reach it, you know? You know, we used to, where, where I used to work, we used to call that lab hands. So if you took anybody from the lab out to lunch, they never could pick up the check because they had like short arms. They could never reach it, you know? So, I am glad I serve a God whose arm is not too short to save. Listen, doesn't matter. Here's why I think that's important. Because there's sometimes God has saved me in the past that I was pretty far away from him. He needed a pretty long arm to where I was. I'm glad I serve a God whose arm is not too short to ever say, well, you're too far away from me. Listen, when we cry out to God, he's there. We're never too far away. His arm is not too short. I'm also glad I serve a God that's got good hearing because I've been pretty far away when I've called out. And even when I was yelling pretty loud, it'd been pretty hard to hear. I'm glad I serve a God who's got really good hearing because he says his ear is not too dull to hear. No matter where you are, no matter how far away, no matter how long it's been, no matter what is, if you will call out to God, he will hear you. And as no matter what you're facing, his arm is not too short to save. So look, we're going to all face stuff in life. Some of them are going to be more intense than others. So you may be in it right now, and if you're not, maybe you're enjoying that time of peace and praise God for that. But we all know if we live long enough, we will face some more. because we are promised in Scripture that life is going to have challenges. It's going to have challenges. So it's not a matter of we can be surprised. The only thing we can do is decide how we're going to respond. And we're going to have a choice. We can react by running away, getting mad, taking offense, blaming God, blaming somebody else. We can do a lot of different things. Or we can respond appropriately and be like Jehoshaphat. We can fast and pray. Let me give you a practical side of that. When you decide to fast and pray, don't tell God how to solve your problem. Seek God and let Him solve it. He's got way better ideas than you or I do. Second thing, anticipate God to answer. I want you to realize that sometimes answers come through unexpected sources. Now, Joshfat they prayed and Joshfat listened because all of a sudden a prophet spoke up and had a word from the Lord. Now he could have thought, you know what? God's going to talk to the king, and could have said, God's only going to talk to the king. Right, If you'd been prideful and, and not listened to the word of the prophet and missed out on what God had for them. God had deliverance for the nation, but it came through maybe an unexpected source. You might have someone who's a source who could speak into your life, and it might just come from a place, a person, or a source that you wouldn't expect. You need to be open that God may speak through unexpected sources. Finally, you need to obey his instruction and face your enemy with a secret weapon. It's praise. It's praise. Praise on your lips. And let God fight the battle for you. I want to invite you. Would you stand with me? We're going to close. I just want to invite you. Just everybody, just time to bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. This is just time between you and God. Look, if you're facing a crisis right now, surrounded by a problem, and you don't know what to do. In fact, you think unless God intervenes, you just can't imagine a good outcome. Okay? If that's you, just acknowledge that to God. Just raise your hand. Just say, yep, yeah, that's me. I've got that problem. Got that problem. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, thank you. Look, let's just, let's just, right now, let's take it before the Lord. Okay? Let's just take it before the Lord. Lord, this morning, God, we come before you, and Father, we're people faced with issues, faced with challenges. Lord, this morning, we want to be like Jehoshaphat, Lord. Uh, we just want to say, Lord, we're surrounded by a, an issue that's bigger than us. We don't know what to do. So, Lord, today, we're just going to ask you, we're going to lay it down at your feet, we're going to ask you to intervene. We're going to ask you to move on our behalf. We're going to ask you to save us, heal us. Lord, we're going to listen. We're going to press in in prayer. We're going to fast and pray, Lord. We're going to listen to you. And Father, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to obey you. Lord, we want to thank you in advance for your answers. We want to thank you, God, That there's no problem too big. That your arm is never too short. Your ear is never too dull to hear. So Lord, we thank you right now for the testimonies of victory. We praise your name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.